This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 17. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, everybody, this is Josh Dorkin with the Bigger Pockets Podcast here with my co host, Brandon Turner. Are you waiting for something, Brandon Turner? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, What's up, Brandon? Or how's it going, Brandon? Instead, you just left it hanging. So, I did. Uh, how are you doing, Josh? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I actually just got back yesterday from from North Carolina, of all places. Nice. Yes, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's actually remarkably gorgeous out there. I was at a wedding down by Duke and uh, explored, looked at looked at some of the neighborhoods, and just kind of checking out the real estate a little bit. It's it's. Uh, fantastic part of the country if you've never been there i definitely recommend uh taking a little road trip or something and checking it out i have not been there i i think i drove through it once on my way to disney world or something but nice. that's about it yeah so i'm back and uh here we are with with the show so uh we should uh we should probably move on and, and actually get into it what do you think i would i would concur i would concur good well before moving forward we we probably should start with the Quick tip. <laughs> Today's quick tip on the Bigger Pockets podcast. The file place, Bigger Pockets file place is a uh, it's it's an entire file vault full of ebooks, documents, spreadsheets and hundreds of other forms and other things that uh that you can actually download for free. Uh to access it, just head over to biggerpockets.com/files. Uh, of course, you'll need a free BiggerPockets account, and uh, you can start downloading useful, helpful uh, information uh, for your own use. So check out the file place. Uh, with that, I think we should get to the show. Do it. Um, do it, do it. On today's show, we are going to talk with one of the more familiar faces on the BiggerPockets blog, a man who has written more than 170 posts over the past three years, Jeff Brown. Uh, Jeff is the owner of Brown and Brown Investments in San Diego, sunny San Diego, California, and uh, Jeff has a firm grasp on how you can use real estate investing to fund your retirement sooner and more securely than most people think. Who needs the stock market, the bond market? You got real estate, and you've got Jeff Brown. That was a pretty good commercial, wasn't it? That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, as as Jeff Brown's uh, real estate profile states, he has invested in, owned, and pretty much uh, flipped pretty much every class of real estate there is. Uh, so uh, we're certainly looking forward to uh, lots of interesting information to come, in particular uh, some great information on the subject of retirement and note. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. 
Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Well, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you. Hey, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Hey Jeff, I, you know I've been reading your stuff on Bigger Pockets for years, so this is a this is an honor to have you on the show. Hey, my pleasure, and it's nice to talk to somebody under thirty who understands real estate investing. <laughs> yes, he's he's good at pretending. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Well, let's uh, let's jump right in. So you know you, you've definitely been at this for a while. How did you get started investing in real estate? Well, it all started on a lonely trip down Freeway 5 in Southern California to my dad's house from mom's. No, I, I, uh, I moved to m- live with my dad back in 67 when I was almost 16, and he owned his own real estate firm, and, and the, the natural course took hold. You hear about real estate at dinner and all the other stuff as you uh, get older in high school, and I decided that I wanted to try my hand at it. and. That's how I got started. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you you got interested from, from the folks and, and your dad was in the business, correct? My dad was in the business since 1959. He opened up his own firm in uh, actually uh, this month in uh, 1964. Wow. Okay. Yeah, wow. okay. And, and so you just took a keen interest in, into it and, and decided you would hop in and get on board. How did, uh, how did that come about? And, and, you know, tell us, tell us kind of about your, your actual entry into, uh, the investing space. 
Well, I started out in homes when I was 18. I actually hit the office uh, on a Saturday morning, almost literally uh, uh, 60 days after I turned 18 in my uh, bell bottoms and <clears throat> and boots. <laughs> I, I had my Frankie Avalon hairdo. Nice. Long and, since gone. Oh, yeah, way gone. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I stayed in houses for, um, for seven years. Uh, I, I do want to uh, uh, make it a matter of record that in my first day on the job, I did list a for sale by owner. Nice. It wasn't <laughs> worth the paper it was written on, but I did get the listing. <laughs> uh, I did it for seven years and decided uh, one day that uh, if one more wife told me that the color in the uh, kitchen was wrong and that's why they weren't going to get the house, I was going to be on the 11 o'clock news. <laughs> so my uh my wife at the time said honey you got to figure out something you can do you're good with numbers i've always thought you should have been in investments anyway why don't you take a look at it okay okay so and, you 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 started let me just clarify really quick so you started on the brokerage side then i started uh as an agent okay and then and then i got my broker's license uh Seven years after I started, and and I, which was 1977, was my first uh, uh, business opening, Brown and Brown, with Dad. Nice, okay. nice. And and then the the path into the investment space specifically, how did how did that transition actually take place? You you obviously you talked about the story with your wife, um, but what you know what did, what did that mean? What does that look like to to us? I I wanted to talk to and learn from and attend as many seminars uh, involving investment real estate. I had a title company guy who was a real catalyst. His name was Ron Pennock. He's still around San Diego, I think. He took me up to a, a North County, San Diego, what they call exchange club, where it was uh, invitation only. And it was 20 guys. You had to die. To, uh, somebody had to die for a new member to get in, <laughs> tire or whatever. Nice. And he brought me in because one guy was sick. And I remember they asked uh, one of the members to explain what his client wanted. The guy didn't take a breath for like a 30-second sentence. And Ron said, did you get that? I said, well, he's speaking English, but I didn't understand a word he said. And he said, welcome to investment real estate. <laughs> Uh, from then on, I just went to all, I went, I learned how to talk with, to people, uh, by attending, uh, Chuck Chat Chatham's, um, seminar up in Pasadena. I, I learned exchanging from Royce Ringsdorf. Um, there's <clears throat> four or five other people that are literally iconic that were uh, conducting seminars in the seventies in Southern California. I was so fortunate. So by the time 1980 had come along, uh, between the seminars and the local people here that had uh, taken me under their wing because I, I refused to say anything, but I didn't know that, which they liked, um, <laughs> I was able to get at least as far to understand that CCIM was classes I should attend. And at that point, I took the CCIM in 1980, took all 200 hours in about a little under nine months. Uh, and found out that um, I actually did like investment real estate. 
Okay. Did you, did you, then you were selling real estate for investors then or enlisting property or were you buying at that point anything? No, I, well, I bought my first property in 1976, first part of 77. Um, and then I, uh, didn't buy another property until probably the, about 1983 or so, 1982, uh, because, uh, the, the bottom hit, in October of 1979, after our first run-up, so the the 80s and the first run-up, I actually missed as an investor because I was still learning my trade, and every day I would figure out something I had no clue about the day before. Okay, yeah, I know that's pretty pretty common even for me still. I mean, every every day I seem to learn one new thing that I had no idea about before, and I think a lot of newbies actually get stuck with that, and they think I can't jump in because I don't know enough yet, but I mean, the fact is you can never know enough. You can never actually know everything there is to know. So um, I, anyway, um, yeah, so we were talking about mentors. You talked about you know, those guys that took you under their wings. Um, and I know you've talked a lot about uh, that on the blog recently. I guess, what can you tell us about that, about like finding them? How do, you, how do you find people that will take you under their wing and train you and help you out? Pure luck. Uh, <laughs> my, well, That's very actionable, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my father... Uh, was never in investments. Uh, he did some development because one of his best friends, uh, he was a retired minister, and one of his uh, retired minister friends was his best friend, and they, they built some apartments and houses, but that was the extent of his stuff. But he mentored me in business and the brokerage part of business, which was completely and utterly invaluable. His friends, however, many of them were in investments, and uh, I had kind of an NCIS uh, relationship. They were all Gibbs. Uh, if I opened my mouth at the wrong time during a mentoring session, I'd get it in the back of the head. Literally. <laughs> um, I was in my 20s, and, the, and, the, and here, here was the deal. If I was able to, to get off in the afternoon and they were done golfing, and I mean that literally, they would call me up and say, get down here and buy some fries for us. We're in a talking mood. And I would sit at the table at the 19th hole and sometime between their first uh, gin and tonic or whatever. And, and when they got tired of talking with me, it was the school was open and they would start usually with uh, asking me about my day. Hmm. Okay. So, so they would just basically talk about what they had going on and, and that kind of thing. And, and basically, they, they just taught you the, the ropes, it sounds like, yeah? Absolutely. They would ask me about my day. If I didn't, if I started being uh, very general, I'd get the, the, the gib slap and they said, look, you're wasting our time. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you say there's, there's some luck, but, but, you know, certainly there's also a, a bit of skill that, that comes in finding somebody who's going to mentor you. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of options for people out there, right? You know, there's the, uh, you know, $45,000 a year, uh, mentorship guys. And then there's the, uh, local investor who's, you know, being very successful, who, you know, is, is happy to, to take somebody under their wing and, and help them out. And, and you know, I, I guess it's 
it's always helpful for, for folks, you know, to, to know that they have more than one option, right? They don't have to go direct to that $45,000 guy and they, they can find successful local people to help them out. Uh, do you have, you have any advice on, on identifying those people, who they are and how to, how to, you know, kind of get in with them potentially? Absolutely. Um, I've come to believe over the years, and this is through my, my own experience that, it's more difficult to find sometimes anyway to find a, an investor in your in your uh, local market uh, not only who is is willing to talk with you but actually has the experience that you want to talk to you what you may want to start looking for is a broker in your area a real estate broker that specializes in investments because this is something that's his living and that's where I found my my guys. I never had a mentor who wasn't a licensee. And so I would learn all the uh, strategies. I would learn why you would do one move one time and not do the same move the next time, even though it appeared to be applicable. I would look for the guy in your community who has been in the real estate investment business for a very, very long time and just goes about his business. Generally, they're going to be old school and they're not going to charge you. I don't say anything bad about the mentors that charge. I'm sure many of them offer tremendous value. I'm old school and my mentors told me when I asked them, how could I possibly pay them back? Because their advice has literally been worth millions. And, and they told me, Jeff, you can't pay us back. You have to pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. You know, a lot, a lot of people believe that, and and that's that. Those are the those are the guys I think that that people really need to 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 look for, and, and I, I think it's just a matter of time. I think it's going out and talking to people and and seeing who's got that mentality, right? Who wants to be helpful? Who's learned and wants to give back? And and you know, just talk to people and, and you know and and chat with local investors at your group or on Bigger Pockets or somewhere else, and and uh, you know, find out who's who's willing to to jump in. Yeah, one thing I found is that I feel like older investors, I mean, I'm, I'm a young guy, and so older investors seem like they really like talking to me generally because I'm enthused, I'm excited, I want to learn, and I have that like, you know, drive to learn from them and I respect them, and I think that goes a long way. So if, if you're a young person and you're a, a newbie at this, um, I mean, I think older and seasoned investors have just a, as much desire to, to teach and train um, as you probably do to learn just because it's, you know, passed down legacy and all that, but you just got to make it easy on them and, uh, and, uh, you know, just really build that friendship. And I, I would add that when I was, when I was taught old school, they didn't keep it conceptual like so many people do now. What they end up doing is giving me step-by-step on how to get a certain activity done the right way. Uh, rent surveys was, uh, is a perfect example. They would say everybody relies on looking at the quote book, the real estate investment book that had all the listings or whatever. And they said, no, you've got to take a clipboard. You've got to go out and into the neighborhood. You've got to talk to the people. And so what I would do is learn that. And I every time I went out, I found out something accidentally or I found out something new about a neighborhood 
that I had literally grown up almost on top of that I, that I never knew. And so it's those ty that type of learning that old school teaches you. They take you almost like the military where they say, this is your rifle. And by the time they're done, you, you can take it apart, put it back together in your sleep in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of training I think that, that people need. And so that's, uh, that's awesome. Hey, so you, you had mentioned CCIM. Um, I, for those people who don't know what it is, you know, you're going to, you're going to give us like 30 seconds on what it is and, and the value that, that at least you got from it. And, and I, I know you and I have talked about this and, and you've said that you, you, you think that, uh, it's invaluable for folks. Um, maybe you can explain a little more about the organization. It's, um, sorry, NAR, uh, National Association of Realtors, but it's one of the few things that they offer, uh, as a learning tool that actually is worth anything. Uh, <laughs> and the reason why is because first it's 200 hours, not 200 minutes. And, uh, it is so complex and actual steak and eggs teaching that the failure rate with an open book test for the first week 40-hour course has roughly remained about 50% the last 30, 40 years that they've had it. Wow. That's uh, it's insane. It, it's, it's, and it's taught by people that not only have done it, but generally speaking are still doing it in their market from all over the country. They tag team you. So there's usually at least two teachers every day, and when they get tired, the other one takes over. Uh, it has absolutely um, been the catalyst in my career. Got it. And and is it uh, commercial primarily, or is there any residential stuff in there as well, or or how does that work? No residential, whatever. The uh, acronym stands for Certified Commercial Investment Member, which means nothing really. But that, that it does tell you. <laughs> gotcha. Nice. All right. Well, that's that's good. And I, I think those people who haven't yet heard of it can now go and do do some homework. And we'll uh, we'll put a link to to CCIM in, in the show notes, which uh, you could find at biggerpockets.com slash show seventeen. All right, Jeff. So let's touch briefly on a subject that I know that a lot of our listeners care about, and and the question is. When is the right time to jump into real estate investing full-time? Do you have any kind of advice on that? Well, if you listen to a lot of people, you don't need anything uh, except for way too much courage. I, I disagree. Uh, being old school, I think this no-down stuff is for the birds, but I do understand where they're coming from, and many people have, have succeeded wildly with that kind of a start. So I, I never really put it down. I just say it's not for me, and I've never been a part of it. Uh, as, as far as getting started uh, uh, with some skin in the game, uh, what I tell people is uh, you're, you're making enough money to save money. Keep doing it. Uh, save until you have enough to, for, a, for a down payment on whatever market you can uh, get into and, and make sure you have cash reserves. And before you have that, I, I always tell people, don't even think about getting started. Now, that's great, Jeff. Uh, I think it's really important thing that you touched on there is to be sure that you have cash reserves so that you don't have to 100% rely on the income that's coming in. 
I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners have heard all that uh, age-old advice that when you start a business, you should plan on not taking any income for two years. And uh, I really think that's potential real estate investors should definitely consider themselves part of that club. I mean, if you make money right away, great, but I wouldn't quit a job until you have the money already there. I've been there and done that, actually. I know when I started out, I quit my job to be a flipper, and when the market turned sour, I actually had to get a miserable desk job at a bank, so that wasn't very fun. So anyway, uh, good advice. Definitely, definitely, man. Well, listen, let's just switch gears a little bit, talk about something that I know that you're really passionate about, uh, retirement. And and of course, it'd be great if I could be passionate about retirement. Uh, maybe one of these days I will get there as well. Uh, but for those of us who are out there who who maybe aren't full-time investors but have a day job and are getting close to the end of their working days, uh, I, I guess what kind of advice do you have for them? Actually, wh- why don't we just why don't we start with a basic question, okay? How much money does a person really need to retire? Is it like $1 million, $3 million, $10 million, or does that really depend on the person? Well, the answer is all of the above. Um, I, I, will, I will tell you this. Uh, m- most people think that it would be nirvana if they got, a, say, a million bucks into their 401k or IRA. Uh, the problem is, is that... Uh, the people that are financial advisors and they're very accurate about this, they tell you that you should never count on more than 4% yield. Well, it took you 30, 40 years to get the million bucks and now you're going to get 40,000 a year before taxes. I don't think the average American investor envisioned 40,000 before taxes when they sacrificed for 35 years to get a million bucks. So what I tell them is it's not so much the net worth you create, it's all about after-tax income and retirement. So now you, you've got a different equation you're looking at. Got it. One of the things that I tell them is that go back to somebody in your family who was, say, 30 years old in 1965, and you told them uh, they had two choices. They can, they can get five times what they're making, and they were making around 7000 a year back then, which was median income for the country. And that in the year 2000, they could retire with 35000 a year before tax, 50000 in the bank and a free and clear home, or they can start by buying that duplex around the corner, which at that time was ten dollars or $15,000. Well, human nature, if you bring that into today in 2013, and they're making 50000 a year, which is about the median, if you told them they're going to make two fifty before taxes, they're going to take that and just mail it in. The problem is, let's go back to 1965, and the guy retires with thirty five before taxes in the year 2000, and he lives in San Diego. How do you think he's doing about now? Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. So income income is the way to go. Uh, the the actual. Your your net worth is fairly worthless unless you're producing uh, uh, some sort of income. Is is what I'm gathering. Uh, your philosophy uh, is focused on then, yeah. After tax income. After tax income. Okay, so then l- let's let's get to that. What you know? How do we maximize after tax income? Is there you know you you talked about four hundred one k's. You know what's what are some of the paths that, that people can take to, to, to go about doing that? I generally use three paths, Josh. The first one, of course, is, is real estate, which is generally speaking going to be the foundation. 
So you're young. You've obviously uh, are getting enough cash flow that you've you have extra to invest. So cash flow is not your problem. So if you're your age, or if you're a whippersnapper like Brandon, <laughs> <laughs> he called you a whippersnapper. <laughs> hey, I'm 61. I get to do that. <laughs> it's okay. But, <laughs> so what happens is you you have enough uh, income, guys, because you have enough to invest and you've made enough to get that money. So what you want to do is build your capital because all cash flow is in the end is a yield on a pile of gold. So the guy with the biggest pile of gold or the most piles of gold wins because if you've got $5 million in retirement and the other guy's got 500000 you're both getting the same four, five, six, eight percent, whatever it is. It's just that in terms of dollars, you'd rather be the five million dollar guy. So when you're young, forget cash flow. Now, do you want cash flow for your investments? Of course. But the idea is you just want it to pay for itself with a little extra, and you want to acquire as much real estate as you can safely and prudently with cash reserves so that you're building that capital for when you retire. And at that point, as you approach retirement, you start to convert to cash flow. Now there's a lot more to that and I'll, I'll leave you to ask me the questions, but that's the general concept. Well, I think, I think that's a really good point. Something that changed in my life recently is I used to be all about cash flow. I mean, my theory before was if I can get a hundred dollars per door and I needed, you know, a hundred thousand, or let's say I needed a $10,000 a month to live. I just need 100 units. And that was it. I mean, that's how I simplified it. And I mean, obviously that math works out, but now I'm kind of thinking bigger picture. And, and so rather than living off my cash flow, now I'm reinvesting all my cash flow. I'm saving that cash flow and just trying to build up capital. And, uh, I, I think, I think you have a lot of a part in that just from reading your posts on bigger pockets. I think uh, I started to kind of change my, my style a little bit to how can I recycle that, that cash flow. So, um, definitely. So, uh, you said a was, uh, real estate was the first way to save. So what, what would be the second and third? Well, if they're, uh, twenties and thirties, like you guys, uh, I would strongly recommend getting an EIUL, which is an equity index, universal life insurance policy. I'm not an insurance guy. Uh, I've got what I've always called, he always bridles when I say this, an in-house expert for EIULs, David Schaefer, who writes on Bigger Pockets now. Um, the guy is wicked smart. I don't even know why he talks to me sometimes. <laughs> uh, but what, he, what it does is it creates a completely standalone and separate tax-free income source. So if you're in your 20s and 30s and spend 20 or 30 years uh, paying a monthly premium, what ends up happening is when you retire, whenever you plan that to happen, you've got a second source beside your real estate for tax-free income, generally speaking, the way it's stru structured for the rest of your life. So you may retire with 50, 100, 150,000 a year from real estate, but if you, you've put X dollars a month and indexed that premium to inflation for 20, 30, 35 years. I've got clients, uh, matter of fact, one in your area, Josh, who's uh, about 27, 28 years old, and he just got finished uh, structuring his with David Schaefer. He's already invested in, in several properties, and uh, 
we're now establishing this. When his EIUL payments are over, he'll be 68 years old and 67, and it'll be over $200,000 a year tax-free until he croaks. Yeah, I think that just demonstrates the, the power of starting young no matter where you are. I think way too many people wait until their 30s, 40s, 50s to start investing. But um, yeah, if you can just start sooner, it's it's awesome. But uh, okay, so cool. That was two. What's number What's number three then? Number three is is where I would I tell people to uh, stop contributing. Number one to their IRAs and and four hundred ones. Uh, people fall in love with them, and I understand because they've been sold that since they were kids and they've watched their parents maybe do it. What what always surprises me is that they've watched their parents get into their 50s and 60s and after everything they've done, they're lucky if they if they have half a million dollars in their employer's 401k and they realize right away that's just not going to get the job done. So I tell them to stop contributing to that and then I tell them what they want to do with that money is is shifted over to the EIUL I just talked about. Then when they're able, I say, look, at you have two choices. You can completely gut your IRA or 401k and pay the taxes and sometimes the penalty, or you can roll it over if it's rollable, not everyone is, and roll it over into a newly formed 401k that's known as a solo 401k. Now, that was created for small business owners. Anybody can start their own small business. They don't even have to be in business necessarily. But the bottom line is they're now in control of this 401 because it's self-administered. They then would uh, invest in discounted notes until it's time to retire. Okay. Well, what, what, if, what if their company matches... Uh, the money they're putting in. I mean, you would seem like you get the power of amp- amplification uh, by by getting that matching. Do do you not see the the benefit of that? You know, on the surface, uh, that's an excellent point. When you actually do the analysis, you find out that all that was that match is nothing but the second worm on the hook for bait. Uh, all, virtually everyone that arrives at age sixty five for retirement, Josh had a match of some sort and uh, they're just as disappointed as the people that didn't have a match. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's very true. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So, so now we're, we're, we're now at the self-administered IRA. Um, is that any different than a self-directed IRA? It's nomenclature. Uh, uh, my, uh, my house expert, in-house expert on 401s and IRA self-directed, uh, John Park, uh, he d- he handles that for my clients. I, I'm obviously clearly not the expert on that, uh, and, and they swear by him. But I would tell you that uh, it, it's just a nomenclature. The, four, the solo 401k uh, actually offers a couple of things that, that uh, normal IRAs and 401ks don't. And that is the ability to be traditional and Roth simultaneously if you need it. Uh, so people can actually roll their 401k from a previous employer into a solo on the traditional side. And then when they decide to do it, they can roll it from the traditional side to the Roth side, pay the taxes, and then start investing in discounted notes, which would then spit out at retirement 
tax-free income. And so with, with these IRAs, they, they can buy notes, they can buy the, continue to buy stocks, bonds, funds, but the, 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 the real perk of, of these IRAs is that you can actually get into real estate as well, correct? Yes, you can get into real estate. And by the way, the solo 401k does not come in IRA form, just so there's no confusion. Uh, the solo 401k is, is, to me, the gold standard for what they want to use as a, as a vehicle. Uh, yeah, they can invest in real estate. I don't recommend it. I think investing in real estate in your self-directed plan is way better than most everything else other than the discounted notes. Uh, the reason I say that is when you when you buy, say, a $100,000 uh, house that's going to rent, the lender is going to give you a non-recourse loan because by law, uh, no lender can have recourse on a on a qualified plans purchase that's going to be leveraged. So it's a non-recourse loan. They're going to re- they say that they require 30 to 40 percent down. I've yet to see any market that they require less than 40 percent. I know there's going to be some people that say they've done it, and I I know some who have too. But it's 40 percent down. The rates are higher. The amortization times are shorter. So if you actually have the same money, amount of money that you're using for down and closing inside your self-administered plan, in your own name with that money, you could have bought two of those properties. All right. So you're saying instead, if you if you had $100,000 in a 401k from work, you could transfer that. I mean, I know nothing about this, so correct me where I'm wrong, but you have 100000 in a 401k. You can transfer that to a 401k solo. Is that right? Yes. And then you can use that to invest in, like you get, you have to pay the taxes on it at that point, correct? To turn it into a Roth version, right? Right, but let me back up a second. Okay. If it's, in a, if it's with a current employer, the chances are virtually nil that you'll be allowed to make that transfer. Okay. So it has to be a past employer. A past employer, maybe uh, previously you you rolled something over from a past employer to a self-directed IRA. The only thing that's, there's two things that are generally speaking not rollable to a solo. A Roth IRA, for reasons I've yet to figure out, and uh, your your current employer's 401. Okay, so so then you would recommend, let's say I had that $100,000 from a past uh, past employer and I want to take that and invest in real estate. It's not a good idea to take that and go put that as a down payment on a property. It's better to use, to go into note investing then. that That's your, I, I guess, suggestion? That's exactly right. And there's two reasons. First of all, you can buy 50 to 100% more real estate with the same amount of money in your own name outside of the plan because of the financing uh, stats I just quoted. The other reason is just it's just a relative return. Uh, you're buying uh, notes at at thirty to thirty five percent or more discount to begin with. You're generally uh, not going to do that in your four hundred one k with real estate. And if you did, they may start declaring that a business, saying you're flipping, and they get kind of tense when you're operating a business inside of a four hundred one k. Yeah, that makes sense. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I lock my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. pinefinancialgroup.com BP. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about notes then, because uh, that's something that I'd like to get into someday. So a note is when, obviously, when somebody takes out a mortgage and a uh, you know private lender holds it. So where do where do you find these? Where do you find these discounted notes? And what exactly is that? 
Well, the short answer is is twofold. Uh, path A is you can find notes everywhere. Uh, they don't hide. Uh, you can go online. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, specialty websites that have notes. The thing is, you then have to have the skill and experience to be able to do the due diligence and, and analysis to make sure you're not getting the pig in the poke. Um, uh, and that doesn't mean you can't get great notes on those sites, because I know you can. Um, it's just that it's it, you, you're, you're looking at a needle in a haystack, in my opinion. Um, and some of those people that operate those sites are just slam dunk, no-brainer experts. They really know what they're doing. Uh, I've talked to a few of them, and they're wicked smart. But they will tell you the same thing. You've really got to look. It's just like everything in real life. You know, the people go to those sites thinking they can find a good note. It's no different than going to the MLS. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. buy most properties. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so but the, but the path B is just you, you've got to you know an expert in notes that does it for a living. You're gonna, that, that way you know that whatever note they bring you, it's probably a note they're not ashamed of showing you. Well, and, and it's there's not just one kind of note here, though, right? I mean, there's... There's, you know, there's various grades of notes, and then uh, within that, you know, they they kind of all serve a purpose from from the investment standpoint, right? I mean, a lot of a lot of investors are looking for the the A paper, the the performing notes that are gonna uh, bring you a nice return. But there's another strategy altogether where you can go out and buy lower grade paper, uh, assuming that the uh, the uh, borrowers not going to be paying you and you're going to take back the property. So it, it's kind of a means to an end, correct? Absolutely. You're just taking a somewhat circuitous route. I've always wanted to use that word. <laughs> good word. Good word. Uh, to, to buying property at a pretty handsome discount. Uh, I've, I've only done that once and it was by accident. My dad made fun of me for five years afterwards, <laughs> but, and I think it's an absolutely, uh, uh, appropriate way to buy notes and get into property. It's not something I prefer. It's definitely not something that I uh, uh, advise people to do inside their solo 401s or their IRAs or anything else unless they're really, really expert at notes because you know you're buying a problem and that's why you're going to make so much money. Yeah. Yeah. And what is, you know, what's a note return? You know, how much money, if I put that 100K into a note, 50,000, 20,000, whatever it is, you know, am I going to see, you know, 2%, 5%, 12%, 20%, what, what are we going to look at? That's a great question. Uh, my first note I did, Ford was in office, and it was a fourth trustee in San Diego, and uh, the return on it was 18%. Uh, the notes that we're looking at now are running, give or take, uh, 14 to 18, sometimes over 20%. I just haven't seen that big of a change over time, Josh, in all the years I've done it. The big change I've seen in the market that is the same change you see with real estate. The return on real estate really hasn't changed all that much from the 70s and the 60s to now. It's, it's how you're doing it. How you're doing it changes based on the business cycle you're in, right? Yeah. Or true. even the market you're in. Yeah. 
Well, it's very different buying a uh, buying a house when uh, tradition when rates are three and a half percent than when they were seventeen and a half, right? Well, not only that, but buying real estate in San Diego as an investment, for instance, was was fantastic from from the sixties on through the early two thousands, uh, and yet. And people are always surprised when I say this. The next property that's a single family residence or a condo or a townhome that I sell to an investor in that is San Diego real estate will be the first because house rentals in that market are terrible because the rent just does not justify the price. It never has. And yet you go to other other markets and it's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So 14 to 18 percent. That that sounds pretty sexy compared to the zero point whatever the bank's going to give you. Um, right. Is there is there a minimum for, you know, somebody wants to, to buy a note? I mean, I guess what's the minimum that somebody can can potentially even use? Uh, and can you buy a part of a note? I mean, for somebody who's like, hey, I've got, you know, 25 grand in my in my account, you know, it, should they be even be thinking about this stuff or should they wait until they've got more money? Well, typically 25,000 will probably find you a bit short in what I'm looking at. Uh, not much short though. Uh, but you're, you're close. A lot of times I tell people I get, I get, uh, young investors call me up and they'll, they have exactly that amount of money. They've got a little bit of cash reserves. And I said, look at, talk to your brother or sister, uh, talk to your parents go in together with them and get started uh, and and you'll be able to get a bigger note one that's actually available on the market that that I would recommend and then they get their start their foot's in the water and when it gets paid off they don't need the partner anymore or sometimes that partner turns out partnership turns out to be uh, very advantageous now is that 14 to 18% is that paid out over a 30 year span or how how long are those notes uh, good for usually it's it's all over the map. The, the notes that I'm seeing are generally speaking first trustee notes uh, that are in the Midwest. They're 30 year amortized with no balloon payments, and generally, the interest on them are 10 uh, percent or pretty close. Uh, people always wonder why anybody would sell that for a 30 35 percent discount. I've been asking that question since I was 25. <laughs> uh, it's part of their business model many times. A lot of them, they're fixers. They bought properties for pennies on the dollar for cash. In some places around the country, you and I both know, they went in and it's like into the into the house store and they bought six for cash. Uh, they fixed them up for cash and they made so much profit on them that they, but they had to carry the money, the paper themselves. They carried back these notes knowing that they'd have to sell them for a discount also knowing that even though they sold it for a discount, they would still be making the profit that was okay with them. Another, But you got old, older people that have a huge portfolio of notes, and they just need money for whatever, and they sell it. There's as many reasons as there are note sellers. All I know is in all the years that I've been buying and selling notes, they've sold at a pretty pretty handsome discount, and they've generally given a, a 12 to an 18 percent uh, return and that does that return include the the discount that that you're speaking about so if you take take the discount into effect 
that's where you get that extra percent on percentage on, on top of the ten percent that the uh, interest payment is. Oh, sure. The cash on cash on uh, an example I'll give you: somebody buys a hundred thousand dollar note for sixty five grand. It's it's ten percent interest amortized for thirty years. Uh, they're making a little over sixteen percent cash on cash. Uh, then then the the yield will go uh, up depending on how much sooner than 30 years, if it's paid off sooner than 30 years. All right. So yeah, somebody pays it off. They pay off a hundred thousand dollar loan or a note and you only have 65 into it. They pay it off one year later. You just made a ton of money in one year versus 30 years. That's what you're saying, right? Right. If it's in one year, they got a little over 10,500 in payments. They got about 99.5 in the payoff. Yeah, and they only spent sixty five a year ago. Yeah, they they did pretty well. Yeah, that's not bad. So, Jeff, would you advise then if if I had a hundred? Let's go back to that hundred thousand um, dollars. If I had a hundred grand to invest, would you advise to put that in notes or go buy like a duplex in in Texas or in the Midwest or something? And and why? Well, my first question is how many candles are going to be on your next birthday cake? <laughs> twenty twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay, so you're still wet behind the ears. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I would tell you to, to buy real estate. I would tell you to take whatever IRA that you have and start that also. Uh, but I would tell you to take uh, a lot of that. I'm going to assume that some of that is going to be cash reserves, so I wouldn't tell you to spend all of it for sure. And I would have you get your portfolio started. It should be... Uh, in the market that in which you're very comfortable, that's going to pay for itself plus a little cash flow. And if that market is your own market, make sure that you're not buying there just so you can drive by. Don't leave money on the table just because you you want the the pleasure of being able to drive by it. Yeah, I know that's a big problem. A lot of people email me about a lot of times is I live in San Diego, or I live in L.A., I live in New York, Seattle, whatever. And I can't buy a $400,000 house here. I, you just can't do it. And they say they can't invest in real estate because of that. Uh, but that's one thing I've taken from you is that would you rather, I think you said that once, would you rather drive by your property or drive to the bank and make money or something like that? And I, I thought that was great. Absolutely. Uh, uh, listen, I can, I can give you uh, uh, examples. I, I've, I've got a young couple uh, in Southern California. They're, neither one of them is 30 yet, but they're relatively high earners. Uh, between them, uh, they own uh, uh, a couple of uh, investment rental properties in another state. Um, they're about to uh, buy two more, and they still don't own a home. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I actually a couple of years ago, I I sold a house um, that I was living in, and I went and rented for a while. Uh, because I, I it just it worked out best for me at that time, and then I couldn't find anything good to buy, and uh, I bought a couple investment properties during that time, but it was nothing that I actually wanted to live in. So I don't think that's a terrible idea. Look, at, if your capital is invested, the idea is that you want to have the most options possible when you retire, because when you retire, the one with the most options wins. Oh, that, that makes sense. sense. That makes sense. All right. So, you know, why don't we jump to, we, we'd written a couple of hypotheticals. You talked about Brandon here, uh, the, the wet behind the ears, uh, uh, you know, mayor of the munchkins or something. Uh, 
<laughs> what? What? Uh, uh, that's an inside joke for anyone who listened to previous shows. <laughs> and also make sure that sticks too. <laughs> you know, what? What? Uh, so we, we've got a. We we wrote like three scenarios here, and would would be curious on on your advice uh, for, for all three of these scenarios. Uh, scenario A is a guy in the mid twenties, uh, Brandon. You know, a guy in his mid twenties making fifty k a year uh, with zero investments. He's got nothing. He's got no investments, but he's making fifty grand a year. What does he do? The first thing I would ask him if if is is how much he's saving. Save up around ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and go find a property that either a you can afford to live in, uh, that's a single family or a small condo or whatever, or or do uh, what many people do is is go out and and, and get a one of the very many low down payment loans and buy a duplex yeah and and end up with the same or lower payments than you would with the condo or anything else and now your foot's in the water um, in five years you spend all the money you can on paying down the loan including uh, maybe some of the payment you get from your renter and and even if the property doesn't rise in value in five years, I've demonstrated even in San Diego and in LA out here in California that in five years you can you can actually create eighty to a hundred thousand dollars in equity without a dime of appreciation. So it's just a matter of what you can do with what you can do and are you willing to execute it and show the discipline. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of of, of advice. The the buying a multifamily and living in it. In order to build a principle is is fantastic. Uh, so um, I got it, got it. All right. Situation B, we've got uh, you know we've got somebody in their early forties. They're making about eighty grand a year, and they've got that four hundred one k with about a hundred k in it. Is the four hundred one k previous employer? Let's assume it is. Okay. This is uh, almost uh, the profile of maybe a third of my clients. Uh, so what it's I what I tell is they take. Uh, uh, it's ten o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't shut her up. Uh, so so what I would tell him is uh, he's got a hundred thousand dollars in his in his four hundred one k, and I asked him how much he saved, and he says, "Look, at I've got a I've got another hundred thousand in the bank." And I say, all right, what I want you to do is I've got some brand new duplexes over in this state that I like better than where you're living. And I tell them all the reasons why I like that market better than the one he's in. Um, They then agree. And what we do is we have him buy uh, one of those properties. Now, that's going to cost him these days anywhere from sixty to $75,000 down payment and closing costs, loan fees out the door, and he's kept uh, anywhere from twenty-five to thirty-five thousand dollars for cash reserves. At that point, I tell him, as far as real estate investing, just live his life, take the cash flow, and then take whatever it is out of your eighty thousand uh, that allows you to remain in your personal family budget comfort zone, add it to that cash flow and begin paying off that loan early. Because I always tell people, assume that that property will never rise a penny in value, 
and that your net, net operating income will never go up a penny. It's good. If it goes up, yeah. nobody's ever unhappy. It's the icing on the cake. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Don't ever, don't ever do a spreadsheet thinking you're going to have X amount more cash flow in this in year ten or whatever. It's just foolish. So then I would tell them to take the hundred thousand dollars from the four hundred one k from the previous, put it into the new solo four hundred one k he just established. Uh, roll it over into the Roth part of it. He's going to end up, depending on his particular tax circumstances, with probably about fifty to sixty-five thousand dollars. Let's assume that he ends up with fifty. He just got really rolled. Now, because he's in his forties, Josh, uh, that that he can actually put in uh, seventeen thousand five hundred a year after taxes as a contribution into that every year if the company housing that solo 401 gave him that income now his wife can it can be the only other employee ever of the that company okay and again this is aside from where he works all right typically people making 80,000 don't have a, the ability in a side business to make enough to for he and his wife to put in 35,000 a year after tax. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. But they have that 50,000 now and they slowly but surely and they buy a note with it. And that note, they're buying a note somewhere around 80, 85,000 and they're off to the races. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. 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 And and really quickly, uh let's let's take the the last scenario. Somebody say mid 60s uh well early 60s uh getting close to retirement uh they've got their say quarter million house uh quarter million dollar house paid off uh but they don't have any investments at all okay i i just i just had kind of a variation on this the guy's in his late 50s uh when he first called me he he quoted me back to me <laughs> he said i want to retire yesterday afternoon around 4:30 <laughs> uh, uh, so what he he had already sold his home it, and it didn't have any or very little taxation he was able to bank about $100,000 um, he had about a $25,000 uh, uh, pension that's going to come when he actually retires um, and he, he uh, had a piece of land that was farmland in Kansas where he's from and so what we did was we we tax deferred that. And instead of what I would have told Brandon to do, because this guy's at least twice as old as you, Brandon, uh, what we had him do was just buy a couple of a very small, brand new and super well located uh, income properties. One for cash, because he's he's not interested in capital growth at this point. Okay. And the other, he only borrowed about 40% of value or less. And he'll pay that off in three years with the cash flow, right? Now, he's got those, those properties. Uh, the spreadsheets say that he's going to make 3000 a month. Uh, spreadsheets are always good until their day they're not. So I just tell people, just look at Divide by two, he's going to make about 30000 a year instead of thirty six. 
then he's going to take his uh, his IRA that he has, put it into the solo. He's got a hundred thousand in that, and he's going to be buying the notes with that. Now that's not a very he's not going to be rich, but he but he just created a retirement that when he retires in say three years. He'll have a couple thousand dollars in income he would have had before he met me. He's he's going to have. Uh, he said he can live on two thousand dollars a month after taxes, and I believe him. He lives in the Midwest. He's a very humble guy, and so he already had that before he met me. Now he's now he's got another thirty thousand dollars, forty to fifty percent of which is tax sheltered. So he's only going to pay taxes on on that much, and he since he already had uh, an IRA that's rollable, he rolls that he rolls that over, and gets uh, a tax free income that he can access at any time he wants, beginning in a year and a half when he turns fifty nine and a half. Now that in and here's here's a point about having discounted notes in your solo 401 on the Roth side. Even after you retire, those notes tend to pay off randomly. When they do, you made a profit and you end up buying a bigger note and your income goes up. you got to raise in retirement and that continues to happen. Okay. Well, cool. All right. So last question I got before we uh, start wrapping things up real quickly, what is the best state to invest in right now if you had to pick one and why? Well, Texas, and it's a no-brainer. I've been in several states around the, the country. This is my 10th anniversary month of having an band in San Diego. Uh, <laughs> and I tell people this, do the macro analysis first. And so compare your market that you're so happy with that allows you to drive by and then look at other, other states, look at other investment regions. And Texas isn't the be-all, end-all. There are some excellent markets around the country they still don't measure up to texas you'll do well enough <laughs> so texas, texas isn't the end all be all but there are other markets that uh, will not <laughs> to be as good as texas so no, therefore no, they, texas is the end all be all is what you're <laughs> saying if, if i thought these other markets were were worth my time i'd be there i've been in multiple states before and here's what my macro analysis told me and why i made the decision when you look at all the jobs, and that, that's the bottom line, that when all the smoke's cleared, right? When you look at all the jobs, net, 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 created in the country in the last 12 to 18 months, more of them were created in Texas than the other 49 states combined. Whoa. Game over. Yeah, that's, that's a serious uh, factoid that I was not aware of. Yeah, and when you look at, and now you look at all the markets that were from where people are calling me and you ask them, are, is your state losing population? Let me go on the site that I love to go on and check out what the percentage of them who are leaving to live in Texas. Let's look at how many businesses have left your state to go to places like Tennessee, the Carolinas, the Dakotas, uh, uh, other places. They're not going to California. They're not going to the Midwest for the most part. They're coming to places that don't tax businesses to death, that don't tax their people, their citizens to death, that don't regulate everything that moves and doesn't move. Go to a place where 
if you went to Austin or San Antonio or the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex today in any coffee house, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting two venture capitalists. I don't really <laughs> like to swing dead cats, but okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. And, and that's the macro analysis. And that's the analysis that you, you need to begin with before you decide on where you're going to invest. If the macro analysis doesn't make you grin ear to ear on whatever region you're looking at, it makes no sense to do the micro analysis because you don't want to invest there anyway. Mm, okay. Okay. Good. No, good. Listen, uh, there, there's, there's, there are definitely lots of great markets out there. You, you don't certainly don't have to invest in Texas, but there's, there's definitely uh, an argument for it right there. Um, what uh, then, Jeff? As we close this uh, this up here, um, what would be your favorite real? What's what's your favorite real estate book? It's a book I've been trying to find for the last three years, and I can't find it anymore. Uh, it's called Real Estate Counseling by Charles Chatham. C H A T H A M. He was one of the iconic real estate agents that I learned from. He was in Pasadena. The guy was so good at figuring out what was best for people, even when they bought their homes to live in, that he very rarely showed buyers even three homes before they bought. And it wasn't that it was from an agent's point of view. He's the guy that has allowed me to be able to ask the right questions and understand people who ask the kind of questions you guys have been asking me this morning so that I can understand exactly what's inside their head, what makes sense, where's their comfort zone, how does this or that particular approach and strategy or, or complex of strategies work, what fits for them. And that's the man that made it happen for me. I, I've never met anybody or read any other book that did me better than that outside of the CCIM classes. Right on, cool. right on. What about uh, business books that are uh, non-real estate? Any any favorites in there? E-Myth Revisited. Um, I think all the other books that that guy wrote, I think, are, are good kindling. <laughs> I And that's just not my opinion. And I've talked to guys that, that have forgotten more than I know about what that book was about. And they say the same thing. But I thought that book was outstanding. I also think there's a book for uh, real estate, especially in when it comes to tax deferred exchanges and investment. Uh, and I'm sorry, I, I forget the title, but you can look up the uh, author. is His name is Royce Ringsdorf. Okay. And and the guy is gold. And he we can the- we'll look it up and put it in the show notes too. So. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. All right, man. Uh, last, last question for me, uh, is on, uh, hobbies. I, I, you, you were, you're a big baseball buff. Any, any other, uh, hobbies other than baseball? No, uh, I, I, uh, retired, uh, tearfully a little over a decade ago from umpire and I miss it like crazy. Uh, I was a bodybuilder until my el- my elbows gave out again 10 years ago. So now I'm looking to reestablish my fishing skills, and which is why I got rid of my my two-seater and, and have a crossover now. Nice. nice. All right, last question from me. Uh, Jeff, what do you think sets apart those investors who really do well from those who just fizzle out and fail? 
the ones that do well over the long haul begin by realizing that they may not know what not know what they don't know but they want to find out they have eventually then establish a very well laid out plan and they execute that plan with narrowly focused purpose and that the number one attribute to that plan has to be flexibility if they do those things they end up succeeding because murphy's going to visit them he knows where we all live we're all going to have uh, our turn in his barrel but if you have a plan you execute it right you either are an expert or you have found somebody to mentor you and advise you you're going to succeed oh great nice nice well good jeff well listen man it it has it has certainly been enlightening. I, I'm going to have to go back and, and probably listen once or twice to get get some of the stuff that you're talking about. But uh, you know that is that is kind of par for the course. I think for a lot of people, in that preparing for retirement uh, is certainly probably a little more complicated than it than it should be. But uh, you know, with the right uh, information, you can do right by it. Um, so thank you so much for for being on the show, and uh, uh, we definitely appreciate it. Hey, it's been my pleasure uh, fielding questions from uh, whippersnappers are us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, catch you guys later. All right, see you on the blog. All right, everybody, that was our show with Jeff Brown, retirement specialist and an all-around great guy. Uh, there was definitely a lot of uh, awesome feedback in there, lots of great information about things like notes, retirement, 401ks, IRAs, a lot of this stuff is really complicated, guys, and we definitely recommend you uh, you jump out there and 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 uh, do some reading. Uh, Brandon's wagging his finger around, <laughs> telling me he wants to say something. What do you want to say, Brandon? Well, I was going to say the one thing that I always get from talking to Jeff Brown every time I talk to him or read his thing is it's uh, motivation to take care of my retirement more. I mean, being 27, I don't think about retirement at all, but every time I talk to him, I'm like, man, I really need to think about when I'm 60 instead of just when I'm, you know, next year or the year after. So uh, definitely that happened again today. It probably did for a lot of other people listening. Yeah, I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, you only got a couple of years to go till you're like 70, right? <laughs> a long I'm, way to go, baby. I'm so long funny. Way to go. Oh, that's funny. I ignored it. Could you tell? Yeah, I uh, could. As as is customary, everybody ignoring Brandon. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to invite everybody. Uh, you know, first again, thank you for listening, and and I, I just want to invite you guys to uh, uh, head over to iTunes and leave us a rating. Hopefully, you've listened to the previous sixteen shows and have an idea that we're here to try and help you guys out with your real estate and and wealth building and and really looking to create a, a positive influence in in your investments. Uh, so, uh, you know, definitely do that. And, and of course, jump on the show notes at beggarpockets.com slash show 17 and leave some feedback, uh, questions. If you have questions, always, uh, you can always ask them on our show notes or you can ask them on our forums at beggarpockets.com slash forums. We really appreciate all your support and, uh, we, we really are, um, amazed at the the outpouring of support that you guys have had for the show. So thank you very much. And finally, uh, do come join us over at Facebook at facebook.com slash biggerpockets. Uh, check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash biggerpockets. 
our YouTube channel. We're starting to put out some really great stuff at youtube.com slash biggerpockets and uh, so on and so forth. And finally, be sure to sign up for your free Bigger Pockets account at biggerpockets.com slash sign up. That's about it, everybody. Have a great week for biggerpockets.com. I'm Joshua Dorkin signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming small multifamily bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.